This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Tripping.com. Save time and money while booking the perfect vacation rental by going to Tripping.com slash Bad Christian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Three, two, Everything's awful. <laughs> Everything sucks. There most likely isn't a God when you die. That's it, and nothing matters. Okay, I tried Not true at all. I tried to Not hit you guys up with some Happy Pee Wee's Playoffs. There man. is no God. There is only Satan. <laughs> Nihilism is confirmed. There, it never was a god. Yeah. Satan is thought that shit's funny as hell. I mean, don't, that motherfucker's bad. Don't you? He bad. Doesn't that have to be on the table? Like, if we're talking about like like reality of of like real deal reality stuff that we don't see, it has to be on the table that there's a completely morbid, sadistic, evil god that created us all. Um, started some narratives about different religions and how to get to him, but then in the end, he's just going to torture us forever. I mean, it has to be. I don't believe that. <laughs> it's possible. No, no, that's yeah, no, that's be true. A that is yeah. not a possibility. It yeah. is the truth. Toby, I have found it. Toby's led off that this this uh, pessimistic nihilistic view that that we've confirmed now because we've had a bad day, Joey. I'm in. I'm in. So you had with a Toby. bad day. I, y'all yeah. say bad day. I say bad life. Bad life. No. I'll tell you what people. You guys have like had to, like the best life ever. Everything well, fell on that's your what lap. Some may say everything was handed to you. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I know that gets Toby cooking. No, it doesn't get me. I, I mean, look, what uh, ha, my life would be way worse if my name was Barbara or Virgil Spencer. <laughs> my God, it could <laughs> be what, worse. Look at that shit. Good God, what they've been through. Well, so the thing is this: people, people often, well, you know, I, I understand. There's a good amount of people, listeners of the show, Emory fans, you yeah. know, people that think our life. Life is good, and they envy us. And mm. maybe they're right. You know, I guess uh, there's times when I feel that that is true. But but I had a little bad spell, so I'm gonna just be, we'll be like we always like to be transparent. This is like a bad popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Joey does his popcorns. This is a bad popcorn. Yeah, I'm gonna tell. Yeah, well, I'll go for. I've had a, a bad day, and so we'll go through that and say the kind of things that can go wrong when you do the kind of bullshit <laughs> businesses that we do for a living. And, and before Matt says this, no joke, Matt and I, Matt's here in Nashville. He'll explain all this stuff here, but we literally looked at each other and said, should we just go straight? Yeah, like, give it all straight. up. I was like, yeah, I guess I could be a teacher. I got my degree. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's thinking about getting into business. Like, it's, it well, feels yeah. that awful. <laughs> no, I asked myself that periodically. I said, what would it look like if I went straight? You know, like, you know, if you're in a life of crime, you decide you go straight. Right. How, you know, but how are you going to ever get out? So I'm, I'll be 40, and I realize the older I get, what you face is, Am I still going to do this crazy, weird, <laughs> chaotic, made-up, shoestring, fragile things that I've always done? Fragile. I mean, and it's crazy when I look back at my life. I, I find pictures of myself. I was, I, I find pictures of myself that's so funny because whatever you are, whatever you start out as, that is what you are. It doesn't matter if it's your band or your, your personality. Right. All these things, they really stay the same even though you think you change or evolve. I found a picture of me the other day, and I was – like rigging up electrical stuff in our apartment in college, just trying to rig up a, a circuit to plug in an amp or something. Like, of course, it wasn't a good idea, and I didn't know what I was doing or anything. Yeah. And I realized, holy shit, I was doing the same thing in the shed I'm building in the backyard. Like, <laughs> it's the same thing. And I never do anything the the right way or the professional way or the serious <laughs> way or where you spend the right money and the, get the right training before you do anything. I right. never do that. And so it leads to all these funny things. But here's the situation I'm in right now. And this, this isn't all that bad, but it is funny to let people in on what it's really like to do the kind of stuff that we do. And, and if you haven't caught, caught on, this is why you shouldn't listen to everything we say. No. That's what we've been trying to say from the beginning. We don't do it. Do you hear what Matt just said? I don't do things the right, the right way. way. No. <laughs> But let me tell you what to do. No, we can't do that. I do take, uh, you know, pride in the fact that I get a lot done, and th you know, I'm, I feel like an effective person. But the, right. the, my means uh, it carries a lot of liability because I don't do things the right way. So you got to really be careful. Anyway, uh, so I'm on vacation. I'll start by saying that <laughs> right now is the middle of my vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Where you go to rest and recoup. Right. This is my vacation. So not only 
Yeah, I'm podcasting right now, by the way. So I'm working in the middle of my vacation. I had to take a $50 Uber ride down here to Toby's house from where my family and wife are sleeping at home. Uh, let me not mention, forget to mention that today's my wife's birthday also. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so I wrote her a note before I left this morning, before her and the kids got up. So that's all right. And I got her a present I'll give her later today. But, you know, I'm this is the middle of our vacation, which is set around the BC conference in the first place. Right. And I'm here, and I'm here podcasting this morning. Now, I'm excited about podcasting in general, uh, and we're supposed to have a good podcast today, but I'll back up. Last night, this is why it's particularly bad for me. Last night, we did uh, stand-up. Toby and I and Lunsford went and did stand-up at the open mic. You, 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 not, you started too late. Okay. Like, first thing Matt did, he's on vacation. Mm-hmm. You know how Matt's only been eating meat, Joey? Yeah. He's only been eating meat, but he's on vacation, so he's, he's showing out That's eating right. food. What, what's our favorite restaurant <laughs> to go true. to in the South? Mexican restaurant. Matt yep. goes to a Mexican restaurant, That's true. eats Mexican food, as soon as he gets home, vomits <laughs> Threw everywhere. up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Like you can't even handle just it. from eating chips. First night of vacation, yeah, right. just puking his guts out from so, chips and salsa. Now, listen, I can't tell you how excited I am about this vacation, this conference, the Emory tour coming up, getting to eat carbs again. I've been looking forward to this shit big time. Been working hard, looking forward to it. So yeah, I break the my carb fast to start eating carbs. Throw up. Uh, then I go. I'm looking forward to Friday night. We're doing stand up with the big crowd. It's gonna be this giant crowd of people doing stand up to start off the conference Friday night. So we thought. I thought I'd go work out my open mic material right. last night. Well, that went horrible. <laughs> it was so bad. And I thought I'm going to tighten up this material, be good for Friday night. No, it was, I was the worst person there. And it was terrible. And I was utterly embarrassed. My wife was there, Lunsford's wife, Toby. I was shamed. And I couldn't even sleep last night. I, I stayed up all night. I could every time I'd wake up or roll over, I'd think about how stupid I am and why did I even try to that, ever think that I really could do does it. bother you. Yes. Oh, it's just driving me crazy because I talk for a living and I think I'm funny, but I might be wrong about that. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's the kind of like self introspective thoughts I'm having last night yeah. in the be- bed at four in the morning. Go how. Was none of that funny? See, it just, Am I not it just funny? Surpri- it I just, don't understand. It, it really does surprise me that that really bothers you. Like it doesn't. Well, matter. I should be able to do it. I think, but I can't. Okay, right? that, that really makes sense. That, sound, like, that sounds like Matt Carter. I think yeah. that I should be able to do it. So but I can't. You're upset that there's a challenge that you have not been able to overcome. You're not upset well, I, about it, being embarrassed not, and humiliated. Yeah. Well, that's bad, though. I mean, it's, it's bad. That that part stings a little bit, and it prompts me. I don't know. <laughs> right. So I, I don't know if I'm going to quit and never try it again or fake sickness Friday night, or that'll be my final performance, or if I'll say, you know what, maybe I should keep working on this until I do figure it out. I'm very frustrated yeah. about it. Anyway, so that's bad. Wake up this morning, uh, you know, get try to get on the road early. I'm excited about today's podcast because we're supposed to have Jordan Peterson. I already tipped off the fact that he's canceled for the day, but that makes that makes it no good. Right. Um, I'm on my way down here, and Toby calls me and rings up because I got bad news. Now, I can't tell you how excited I am to talk to Jordan Peterson on the podcast. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. He's going to do Break It Down and Bad Christian. Very excited about that. He and, is rescheduling. He just has bad internet. Well, don't, but, don't yeah. ruin my... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to say it in an order that'll work, but... That's okay. So Toby calls me. I even ruined your story. In my, yeah, in my Uber ride. And I'm thinking, I, I swear, I'm thinking last night, like, well, you know what? Maybe this comedy shit and all this stuff, I'm doing too much. But I'll get back to podcasts tomorrow. I'm looking forward to this Jordan Peterson interview. I, that, you know what? I do think I'm good at that. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll just, it doesn't matter. I've, I've succeeded at some things. It doesn't matter if I fail at some things. This is the kind of dumb thoughts I'm going through in my mind. And. Toby calls me, says, I got bad news. I was like, great. Jordan Peterson's canceled, you know, because I know it happens. You know, pretty often on podcasts, people will cancel for whatever reason. And so I knew that was going to happen. I always already was thinking that might happen because he's, you know, whatever. And so, but Toby does not say Jordan Peterson cancels. He says, there's a problem with our tour bus. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is, is, is equally, if not worse, way worse than anything having to do with the interview. Right. And so the, so the tour bus is this. You all know what we've talked about the tour bus on here. We live our our livelihood is based on traveling in a cheap, cool, old '80s bus that we yeah. work on and fixed up and tour, and it, it helps us out a ton. We're about to go on tour with As Cities Burn to Florida. It's going to be the best possible time. We got the bus up in the shop, and the guy calls us and tells us it's got a problem. And so now I'm coming down here. The bus is fucked up. Jo- 
Jordan Peterson. Then, by the time I, the Uber guy lets me out of the car and I get to the front door, Toby does, in fact, confirm yeah. that Jordan Peterson has canceled. At least, also, <laughs> At least in your Uber ride, you thought, well, I yeah, still got like, Jordan still, Peterson. Right. I <laughs> met Matt on my porch yeah, and said, said Jordan just canceled. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even make it into my house. <laughs> so the, the tour bus thing is, is really critical. So now we've got just a few days to get ready for this conference. I had to... I, I don't know what's. I'm in on vacation, and we've got we got a panic mode on our transportation for both us and that city's burn who's riding yep. with us on the bus, and so now that's got to get sorted out. I've got a podcast all day today on my vacation, and you know it's not going good, basically. So all these things are extremely chaotic, and it's the kind of stuff where the if it doesn't work out, it, things can fall apart quickly because we don't. I mean. We do things on a shoestring budget and right. ver- just fly by the seat of our pants and make your own luck and go as you go. And these things are terrible. There's not solutions for these things right now. Right. But there will be, I assume. I don't really know. So I'm only assuming now that we'll continue to be um, thrusted into peril. And I imagine Pete Inns and Jonathan Merritt and everybody's going to cancel for the conference. There'll be a horrible is most likely like, what's gonna winter happen. storm. Everything possible bad is going to happen. Well, maybe no, maybe it's just because of how shitty uh, alt-right we are. Oh, God. That's what I was think thinking. That. Like, Pete Inns and Jonathan Merritt are going to cancel, and then probably right. uh, everybody's going to want a refund, but we've already spent all the money on the conference. So that's what I'm right. expecting to happen next. But anyway, just, we're going to sort through all this stuff. Vote. But at 40, on my wife's birthday, in the middle of my vacation, uh, it doesn't... I mean, this is not... You know, there's no answers for these things right now, but they will have to be sorted through. Oh, I'm sorry. And last <laughs> night when I no, you don't know what I'm gonna say. Oh no! Um, if you got another one, let me know. Last night when I got home from stand up comedy, um, the battery on my weed vape pen was broken. Oh god! What? Oh my god! You know what I mean? So, oh my god! To, just that add insult to injury. Oh lord! <laughs> I could handle anything but that. Good, my good God! Gosh. Well, it's can't, I, you know. I was gonna say we didn't even mention that uh, in taking the bus up to the shop. Oh yeah, <laughs> we backed into a car. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I did it. Exchange insurances fault. and all that stuff. I mean, it's just yep. unreal. I bumped I mean, into somebody's custom work van that was all airbrushed and everything with a forty-foot <laughs> tour bus and bashed in the bumper of it. And had to exchange in. No. in Insurance information. The only good news about it is, uh, I said, Matt, Matt, uh, you hit you hit a car, pull up, pull up. And I was in the back of the, uh, at the bus outside, and I walked up, and I, I just wasn't thinking. All I was thinking was what I, it had like, you know, uh, stickers on it about what it, what kind of car it is, uh, or what it's a, it's a van that, you know, does uh, some kind of work. It's a work van or whatever, but the, the name on it said custom something, yeah. right? And I went up and I was Matt was like, "What did I hit?" I said, "I don't know. It was something custom." No, yes, <laughs> no, Matt, no. Matt's thinking it's just no. like a 1943 restored. Yeah, some kind Toby of Toby comes in and up. He goes, "Matt, Matt, you hit a car." I said, "What? What is it? What happened?" He said, "You hit a custom car," and the guy's super <laughs> pissed off. <laughs> and that was just to take the bus to a shop that is now not going to work on it. It doesn't even want it. Says send it somewhere else. So that was a whole wasted trip. So now we have a bus sitting there. It was probably going to cost a thousand dollar deductible on the insurance just for that for a right. wasted trip to the bus shop. And I don't know what we're going to do with the bus exactly. Um, and it's something that thinks it can be fixed. It's not totaled. It's just I don't know. You know, in the next few days, what we're going to do. So that to me is all bad stuff, and it happens from time to time, and it seems to stack up, and it is, it's is—it's just chaos. I mean, that's what it really is. It's just They usually say it comes in threes, but it's like seven, eight, yeah. yeah, hundreds. But I don't whatever. know. Hey, everybody. Pardon the interruption here, but I got to tell you about a website that I love. I was just introduced to it. I had a phone call with the people at Tripping.com last week, and I found out that this is a terrific terrific site for planning your vacation. Now, I have a vacation I'm planning right now, so this is perfect for me. My wife and I are going to take our oldest daughter, Georgia, to New York. And uh, if you see Georgia, please don't tell her because it's a surprise. But we're trying to figure out where we're going to stay. Hotels aren't always the best for us. They don't have all the amenities that we need. Uh, In fact, we used to travel with her when she was little, and we would make her sleep in the bathroom by the bathtub on an air mattress and close the door so we could watch TV after her bedtime. So 
Tripping.com is great because you can find the places that have all the amenities you need. It pulls stuff from a ton of, of sites. And uh, it's just it's very useful, very effective. I highly recommend it. With Tripping.com, one search lets you filter, compare, and sort over 10 million available properties on trusted sites like VRBO, TripAdvisor, Booking.com, and more. So don't wonder if you're getting the best deal. You'll save an average of 18% per night by booking your vacation with Tripping.com. So don't forget, if you want to save time and money while booking the perfect vacation rental for your next trip, head to tripping.com slash badchristian today. That's T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G dot com slash badchristian. Tripping.com slash badchristian. Can I tell you all about a bad day I had 13 years ago? No. <laughs> it was the day we met or something like nope, that. No, no, no. Listen, listen. So, so if you had a bad day like this past week, you you will remember it, but won't want to talk about it for about 15, yeah, 20 years, yeah, right? Right, right. right. So, <laughs> so, so seriously, seriously, I, I wake up in the morning. I'm in Seattle. I have a brand new job. It took us forever to get jobs. My wife's depressed. She doesn't know why we're in Seattle. I don't know why we're in Seattle, but at least I finally get a job. Totally underestimate Seattle traffic. I get into the interstate and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late for my job. Not only that, I'm getting sick as a dog right now. I'm coughing. I have a bad sore throat. I get to my job. I'm embarrassed that I'm super late. The guy that I have to work with teaching classrooms is the biggest asshole I've ever... I was like, I cannot believe that I'm partnered up with this guy. So I go through all that. It's a horrible day at work. I get in my friend's car. His name is Matt Carter because he's on tour with Emory. And he said, sure, you can use my car. And so I'm driving through Seattle. There's, I don't have like GPS or anything like that. I'm trying to find a Sylvan Learning Center. It was a part-time job that I picked up as well. And then I see a yield sign fly by me. And I'm like, oh, crap. Boom. I hit a car. Get out of the car. I get chewed out by someone who's just like, you didn't see the yield sign? Get back into the car. Find Sylvan Learning Center. I muscle my way through that day. Then I get back to where Priscilla and I are staying. I realize that I don't have the keys to the house that we are living in. And <laughs> I locked the key, the my uh, Matt's car keys, I locked them in his door with my phone in there. So I could not call anybody. So here I am walking up and down the street by myself. My wife is not around. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I do know that I have to pee. And so I tried to climb the wood fence of the house. When I get to the top, <laughs> I fall <laughs> and I hurt myself. I get up, I pee, and then I climb back over the fence and I literally look up into the sky and I'm being completely sincere. I'm not tripping myself out at all. I look up in the sky and I say, God, what are you trying to tell me? Because I was just like, there is just Why? impossible that all this stuff can be happening. My wife comes home. I tell her that I meet uh, wreck Matt's car. She literally falls apart crying. <laughs> <laughs> and that that is the day we decided that we are not going to live in Seattle. <laughs> I remember when you called me. I didn't know the extent of the day, but I, re I mean, can you remember calling me about that? Oh, absolutely. I was I was I, I wasn't scared of you because you and I were friends, yeah. but I was so upset that I had let you down and wrecked your car. Are, and I couldn't at the time I didn't know you as well as I do now and so I didn't know if you were really just trying to be cool with it but you were really upset but I think you were genuinely just kind of laid back about it because I said dude I, I wrecked your car and and you kind of did your little smirky what you, you wrecked my car <laughs> and I said yeah I'm so sorry and then you just flipped right into ah it's, it's it's not that big of a deal I think maybe your insurance was connected with a vehicle in Emory and you just said ah it'll all work out and you just completely it's like no big deal but were was that pretty upsetting no, no i would never get upset about that i mean uh you know i just that that would never upset me it just i mean stuff like that happens if something's an accident who cares i mean yeah. it's just you know well no but, uh, i knew you wouldn't be upset at me yeah. like angry no. but just like oh shoot my car sort of thing i don't care about uh physical possessions a ton like they don't they don't have they don't carry any meaning beyond their function so i mean immediately when something bad happens to me i jump to the farthest bad scenario and then back it down from there you know i go okay worst case scenario is this is well, it's gonna cost me 500 700 bucks and insurance will go for you. i run a couple numbers in my head real quick and then i'm like okay so why would i want to there's there's no reason it can't you can't change anything i'm pretty good about being able to compartmentalize and assess and move on so i think it's a pretty good skill but 
the thing about all all of these bad things happening is funny because it's uh you know people do look at our lifestyle to some degree and think it's very very cool or we have it easy or I think we're there's a lot of people that think y'all just, have a lot of money too. I really do think there's well, some people that are just like they're totally set for life. No. <laughs> no, there's some people oh, no, that think that. No, 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 no. Yeah, I don't guarantee you there right. are. For sure. People think like this podcast and with Emory and everything that we make a lot of money. I think we well, we, we this, tell people the it's truth. It's easy to and, solve yeah. that and say no. I'll put it this way. I've been in Emory. This is true. Um, maybe I've said this on the podcast before, but if this settles that, I've been in Emory for 15 years and as of 2017, I every year I've filed taxes. The numbers have been between, uh, of my personal taxes have been between 40 and sixty something thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a hundred percent what it is. It's it's amazingly always been that. So I've never had any more money than that. But I don't. That's fine. But now, now, there's big I, figures. I, and I'm not when you complaining. See a crowd that, that's pretty amazing or, or to get to do yeah, being great. a band and make right. make a living. I, I'm, I would. Yeah, that part is amazing. It's not rich, but it's making a living. But yeah. also, there's you know we're gone. We got to fix stuff. And like right now, our bus needs fixing. I don't know how many thousands of dollars it needs, and we are going to pay for that. Probably with our tour, which I'm counting on to pay for my bills. Right. So how does that work? You know what I mean? Like that's it's that's easy to thing. bankrupt yourself in this thing. Right. So it, you know, like there's big numbers that go around from a crowd fund to buying a bus. I mean, you know, some the, the conference, for instance, is a good example. Uh, why don't we just spend time being talking? I you know it's fun to talk about numbers yeah. so people get interested. But the conference sold 200 tickets at 100 dollars each. That's twenty thousand dollars. We spent about fifteen thousand so far on the conference in total. So there'll be some pennies left over, probably not by the end. So I just told everybody, here's some budgets. We cannot go over twenty thousand dollars, but we'll probably spend about that. But somebody says, oh, I mean, people do the quick math. They know that twenty thousand dollars is generated. Or oh, what about the show that night? Well, that you know the the expenses on the concert we're playing that night alone. Are about five thousand dollars we're paying for the large room at Rocket Town to put on the show. So you can add that tickets up for that. Trust me, it doesn't filter down when you pay everybody involved at, right. in Bad Christian, and then what's <laughs> left over for us. And we reinvest a lot of money. And you know, Emory runs a, a decent sized bank account with some capital in it, but we use it for stuff, and it doesn't ever usually wind up paying out to us, but a very conservative Look. amount. So that's smart business, but it's not a ton of money. But it's very easy for something to to kill you like like what if the conference actually did go off the rails we're liable for twenty thousand dollars in expenses right? right if it got canceled or if a show uh, if a tour we can't go on a tour and we've already budget i mean right. these things are incredibly stressful and chaotic and you it begs the question is like is this worth it at this age <laughs> but then i looked at toby and I said well to be honest you you know just like your story that had nothing to do with that was just you know chaos is inevitable anyway and we're especially tuned up to be able to handle it. We've been in so many situations where it's like, I don't, there's no way out of this. We're stuck somewhere. And they become some of the more memorable, good experiences of my life. The stuff we've gotten through and gotten out of, like camaraderie and just problem solving under high pressure. I guess I'd have to say, ultimately, stand-up comedy is in the same vein. It's extremely stressful, <laughs> high pressure, problem solving, and chaos. And so on the other hand, finally tuned to it and life is chaos anyway you're gonna die your family's gonna die things are gonna fall apart you're gonna get the worst phone call of your life probably hadn't happened yet i don't know what it's gonna be you know the worst injury you've ever had probably hasn't happened to you yet you know like it's good to be able to deal with those things so i guess ultimately i'll just embrace it and it's gonna be a wild <laughs> rest of this week and next week i don't know what's gonna happen but it will do it Man, what a hot track from my homeboys in August Burns Red. That's a classic. It's called Composure. Woo! On January 26th, which is tomorrow, here an all-new remixed version of their classic record, Messengers. Every song has been fully remixed by Carson Slovak and remastered by Troy Glesman. So if you don't already follow August Burns Red on Spotify and 
check out Messengers in a whole new way tomorrow. You know how uh, you were talking about just how people are run the numbers and they're like, yeah, but what about what? Listen yeah. how ignorant of stuff people put out on social media. I saw where someone had suggested uh, another person to listen to Bad Christian. The other person <laughs> responded immediately and said, no, thanks. I only listen to free podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> because Good he probably Lord. heard something about the BC Club and then just said, oh, they charge for their podcasts. <laughs> it's it's crazy, though. Like, when you do you guys, do y'all even have a visual of what is to come for y'all in the next 20 years? Like, I can make some guesses. 20? <laughs> seriously, seriously. I don't got two. Yeah. I do not know. Have one year. I have zero idea what we'll be doing a year from now. I'm not sure it'll be Emory or this podcast. I hope it is. Right. I plan for it to be. But when I say plan, I use that in the loosest, the loosest possible terms. Like, right. I hope uh, I can say that. So, so I, I really don't know. Let me, let me ask, let me ask y'all this. Like, if, Obviously, the biggest problem is that you guys don't live in the same town, but couldn't y'all seriously like make almost a full-time living, but you would you would make sure you don't do it full-time so you have time to do other stuff, but y'all have so much talent, couldn't y'all work your own schedule and do like events, like marriage, uh, like weddings and I mean, what? you guys would kill it with Toby. music. I'm uh, you would still do Emory, you would still do Bad Christian, but then for some major extra money, do like a wedding a month. But nobody has that I, money. How, how much? That's what I'm saying. Like, if we were to do Emory or whatever for a wedding, it still takes, like, literally to make any kind of money, it takes, you know, five, ten thousand dollars to make it even worth it to go somewhere for a week. Like, when we do a festival, you got to get five flights, six flights. No, I'm, ta- I'm talking about like in Nashville or in Seattle building. I don't think yourself. the. What are you saying? We take two guitars to a wedding and and charge four grand or something. Hire a drummer. I mean, yeah. No, I don't think anybody I don't know would if want there's that. that. Many Emory fans yeah. in Nashville. And I don't want Emory. Do you guys are just talented. Name gets oh, there's everybody oh, on the block in Nashville is more talented than we are. Yeah. There's nothing. That's not <laughs> We're even true. true. We're the worst. <laughs> I mean, that's none of that's even <laughs> pop. I mean, I mean, it is clearly evident. Last night we we've been in entertainment since our twenties. And Matt and I were by far the worst comedians <laughs> at a open mic night of people who don't even do comedy that much at all. They got off work at five p.m. and they slayed what we did. I mean, we. Oh, I mean, yeah. So what? Uh, there's a. I mean, a wedding band would annihilate who we are and what they can do and all that stuff. I mean, for sure. It's just. It's just. Here's the thing that is. I mean, stand-up comedians are like, especially in the open mic scene. I'm telling you, these are losers. They are like band nerds or theater nerds, and they 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 embrace that. But they're people that you know they usually make fun of themselves or self deprecating. And I'm using loser in an affectionate way. But these people, uh, it's a it's it's a just the low like that's the whole vibe of it. And I can't even hang with them. <laughs> they're awesome. I can't even. Yeah, they're amazing, and I can't even hang with the open micers at, even at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, last night seriously, open micers that were like reading their notes <laughs> and everything, and, and I was. Like, please don't let me go after them. They killed. And I, and I was worried to go after them because I was like, everybody's laughing at this person. They're not going to laugh at me at all. It's so it's so bad. Now, I will say, like, I agree with – here's the, – the thing that is concerning to me is I'll be 42 in March. And like Matt said, I don't know what next year is. My no entire uh, actual career, my jobs and all that stuff, every single year I go, next year I'll know more. And 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 it's true, but it's it might not be good more. It might be what, but I don't know what next year holds. I don't know. Like it, it's so awful. Like I, I'm booking guests now. They cancel. Uh, you know, my 
I got kids. I got a wife. I'm trying to tour. This bus broke. This is the second bus we've had problems with. Uh, you know, all this stuff happens, and I just go, ah, it feels so crazy. And here, how about this? Here's just a little thing that just also just bums me out so bad. Matt's here in Nashville, and every single time we record, him and Rebo always go, hey, your face is a little red. Can you change? And I have to fix the contrast and all this stuff. We're sitting here right now. Matt's face is, looks like a he was, looks like a vampire. He's white as a sheet. Like my yeah, face, I'm an angel. I just found out that my face is naturally real red. Right. We thought it was your lighting, but you can verify right now by looking at the screen. If you, that if you could see me right now, fine. You just have a red it's face. Unbelievable. I just said I look like a radish, and Matt <laughs> and Matt looks just totally awesome and white and clean and what. And I just look horrible, and I can't. I don't even have good skin anymore. So I, it's worrisome because I have to tell my wife stuff like this. Like, oh yeah, yesterday uh, we hit a uh, our bus hit a car, and oh now the bus has some trouble and. Uh, you know, that money that we're definitely counting on, I think it'll be there and it'll, it's always fine. God provides, doesn't he, babe? But, uh, you know, it's, it's just if tough. you don't feel like an adult, if you're this, I mean, I don't feel like right. at all like what I have no, it, but on the other hand, you don't I, feel like an adult, not even close, you know, it's just like I'm doing the same. You remember in college when you like whatever I was up to or working on, it would just be, well, Matt's trying to turn the tree in the front yard into a rock climbing, uh, gym. Whatever, just right. just whatever dumb thing I'm massively attracted to at the time, that's what I do that day, and this is where it gets you. I, the guy's car, the guy's <laughs> that's, car, that's worth it. The, I mean, it's fun. The guy's but, car that we hit, uh, he was about sixty five, seventy year old man uh, from like Wisconsin, or whatever. And Matt and I, it felt like we were just nothing teens. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm 40 years old, but we're just in there going, oh, really sorry, sir. We hit your yeah. car. We didn't mean to. <laughs> I don't know what happened. And, I, and in a moment, I was like, man, there's nobody I can call. It's not, you know, like, it's not like, oh, man, this happened and now I have to tell my parents or there's somebody that I can call to help me or whatever. No. It's just, there's no answer. We did it. Y'all. And this is it. And, <laughs> right. and that's just the way it is. And no matter what, there's no and boss. I got there's three no kids investor. that are coming. There's you know, no, they're they're coming to me for that's for the help crazy too. thing is yeah. that our that we are on the top of the totem pole for our kids that right. blows my mind that blows yeah like There's, dad yeah, is the one don't. I go to or mom that's right. crazy hey I, uh, about the open mic night Matt when you are actively bombing do you self deprecate or do you make jokes about people not laughing or do you just go? No, see that's the I think that's the exact problem is I knew it was over eight <laughs> seconds in, but I, I had I had what I thought I was gonna do, so I just trucked on because I I was doing a, a you know kind of a rote thing that I had rehearsed in my head or thought was gonna work, and then I wasn't able to adjust on the fly, which I feel like I should be able to do, but I'm just wasn't able to do that well that's so the only that's the, the only what i was just gonna try to do it didn't work i am not funnier than you guys but that's the only advantage i have is i will be able to tune out the <laughs> silence <laughs> no. like it, it makes me so jealous that it won't it doesn't matter like if if there's silence you might even enjoy it yeah. <laughs> like you might you might be like hell yeah I shut shut i shut them up on that one like you you're proud of that i just like when i get up there it's just so scary. I think it's really good for me. Like, uh, even like I bombed too. And I, I, the last two times I've gone up, I haven't done well at all. And it's really nervous seeing as how there's going to be a lot of BC clubbers, people we know this Friday at what is it? Twin Kegs 2 in Nashville. We're going to yeah. be doing open, com, uh, op, open mic night and some clubbers are going to be doing it. And of course, us three are going to. And it's just, that's even extra scary. Like, bad idea. Yeah. yeah that should be less scary. Like, You're amongst no, friends. No, but you mean like embarrassed they're expecting by, us to be yeah, funny. They're like, right. oh, man, I listen to them all the time. They make me laugh so much. That Toby guy's really funny. <laughs> now, it's really hard to do comedy, and and I'm going to bomb and do bad. Yeah. It's not, no, everybody's going to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> humiliated in front of all your fans. And then I got to look at all the BC clubbers and go, it wasn't that bad, man. No, no one on their eyes, they just see disappointment <laughs> and misery, and they're all going to try and be encouraged. Hey, you did pretty good. Or they'll go the opposite. Man, you fucking suck, dude. Oh, you dumbass. Oh. And I'm like, great. I got to sit through both of it, so not fun. So maybe that makes you think, I wish I did, you know, because we do have somewhat of a crisis, it seems. I, I cannot cannot communicate the amount of people that seem to be dissatisfied with their life, job, career, meaning, and all that. And that's what I kind of find interesting, because it I've just never anticipated that there'd be this many people who seem to think that they're job and livelihood are not fulfilling and i wish they i wish i did something else i hate being stuck in this nine to five or whatever i mean from my point of view you should relax if you get to 
get off work and go home and you get a paycheck and there's a boss and it's his problem what fails. Those are good things. So I would urge people to take some solace in the fact that when you get done pulling wires at your electrician job and you get to go home at the end of the day and you probably make more money than I do also, which is definitely true. Electricians in Seattle, which I suppose is a job I could do, um, make more than I do. Yeah, I I was actually talking to someone the other day that just didn't like his job because of the people that he worked with. And I asked him, I said, can you just... Can you like dehumanize these people? Not not in a way where they see it, but just see them as part of your job that you just have to interact with them through the day, get it over with, and that's part of your job to overcome that and then go home. Like it, it seems like you should be able to categorize some things at work. But yeah, I mean that's mm-hmm. a good point. I I would my guess is eighty percent of people are not happy with how their lives are right now. Maybe yeah. maybe now- higher. I would have to say I am very close to 100% happy with my life and everything about it. Right. So, if it, I mean, it's almost a joke. I mean, it is actually a joke. I'm just trying to make an entertaining episode. None of this is really bad, of course. Like, my life is really good. I really, really get to do everything I want to do almost all the time. I mean, even my vacation's kind of turning out pretty cool. I'll do stand-up twice. I'm playing a giant Emory show, yeah. doing a conference. I'm going to a... A special house show, I think tomorrow night. This gonna, I mean, it's fun. I mean, I it, it there's a, I know people. You know, my my life is good. So lest you hear me complain, I'm just kind of making sport of it. Right. But I, I think people should pay attention to what you're really signing up for when you when you walk away from your regular <laughs> job or whatever it may be. How do y'all deal? Like I was gonna talk about this. How do y'all two deal with pressure? Like, do y'all have a vice or something you go to? Like, this is true. I'll be 100 percent honest. Uh, Matt was up here in my office upstairs at my house. It's just a third bedroom, whatever. Uh, but uh, I wish I had three bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I also my live bedroom, in a 790 square foot house with three. My third bedroom girls. is almost as big as your whole house. Yeah, but um, I I was downstairs <laughs> and I just I was my, feeling stressed. My, my utility closet is bigger than <laughs> <No>. that. <laughs> 790 square feet. I'm not making that up. That's why I converted you that can, garage no and building the you shed. Can fit about four of Matt's houses in your house, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, more, seriously. more than uh, that, more than that. <laughs> um, but I was downstairs and I was like, man, this just sucks. This day's so bad. And I, and I just ran my hand into a big bag of chips and pulled out a bunch of chips. It was like getting ready just to stuff my mouth, which, and I've been doing like low carb paleo stuff like that, but I was just like, fuck it. Everything sucks. I'm going to do, I'm just going to eat food. That's like my go-to vice. Now I was like, if I eat these, I'm going to feel shitty and I'm going to talk about it's gonna it. It's going to make it worse. I'm going to feel bad. And I know there's somebody out there that needs encouragement about not eat overeating, eating, <laughs> stress eating. So I was like, I'm going to do it for the for the uh, podcast. So I didn't put the chips back in. But that is like, I realize I am a stress eater. Whoa, 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 for hold sure. on. I, this, and, this podcast and, kept you disciplined? It was this podcast that kept you? Well, it was just in my mind. I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to go in there and just say I just ate a bunch of chips. And I just don't want to. It was just cool. part. It was part of it. And uh, so I just didn't. And it was like 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, well, Fuck that! Then I'm at least going to drink a Miller Lite. Like, it's 9 a.m. and I don't. I got to do a podcast and go to work. So I was like, okay. So, but I, I will turn to like, yeah, I, I, like fuck it. I'm going to blow my diet, and that is a go-to for me. Like, I just, uh, this is bad. I'm not going to stress myself more by trying to eat healthy. Do y'all do that at all? Like, Matt probably doesn't at all. Joey, you might. But what do y'all have vices can, that you I turn to? Like, what? I don't know. Like, there, there's been tons of times where I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm I'm too weak right now. I'm going to look at porn and just say, screw the world. Or, you know, you know what yeah, I mean? I, don't I mean, care. that's the standard. Something like that. That's the default I have to for be most careful. people. I have to be things. careful of pretty much anything that's accessible when I get, like, super depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, ha- I just have to be careful, accessible. man. <laughs> like you have to lock yourself in a room by yourself with nothing. Anything hits you. I, I'm telling it, you, I, I, remember, uh, I remember years ago, I literally... <laughs> This is so embarrassing, but hey, I showed my dad my wiener. So. I remember I was so down one time. I went, I literally drove from Dunkin' Donuts to Chick Fil A to get a milkshake after eating donuts. Oh my god! I mean, it's just that, like food tastes good, and that's all I got right now. That's it. That's all I got. That is so. You wait. You got donuts, and then washed it down with a milkshake. <laughs> I mean, thank. I mean, you know what? Thank the Lord. That, I, I don't feel do. So- I don't do that. Uh, that extreme, but I mean, I, I, I definitely think just the other day, cause I'm doing the non-carb too. And what Toby just described, I actually, I actually caved. And typically in that situation though, 
I would have just kept downward spiraling and just yeah. kept it going. And, and I was just like, I, I'm not doing this. I'm doing too good, uh, you know, to give up. And so only four kinda, handfuls kind of closed today. the book on that. But it's funny, too, because I it, there's a it, it shows how immature and still a kid I am because like my parents would have never let me do that. Like if I got mad or something, I got something bad happened to me, and I went and ran my hand in a bag of chips and ate. My my parents would have yelled at me, or something. there would have been some kind of authority to say that. So now it's almost like, well, I'm adult and I deserve it. You know what I mean? Like it, this is hard, so I do everything that's hard, so I deserve these chips or I deserve I, this. Thing. You know, there's a real point to that that drives me crazy about having kids. Is all you're doing is always telling them no, and when they're grown up and stuff like that. So right. there's a real, real part of me that both wants to allow my kids to do things like have ice cream for breakfast. Right. Like, I really want to, because you know how awesome that is? <laughs> yeah. And, I, I mean, I, I have to admit, I I'm, I'm okay, I will do that. From time to time, I'll just do something well, ice cream I would have never been allowed to do. How is that I mean, different from Frosted Flakes it's not, and it's milk? It's not. I mean, That's what I'm saying. Nothing. Or, right. or, right. or, or hey, can I have some of that chocolate cake? No, but the next day we take them to Dunkin' Donuts. There's just I, I know, no right. difference. That's I know, and therefore, you should really do the experientially fun things with your kids randomly. I know you got to keep the discipline side and teach the right stuff, but it's just like, you don't do that, but yeah. you should sometimes. And also, if you're an adult, you got to remember, you can do that. Right. All right. You can. But, you can eat ice cream for breakfast oh, and tomorrow. I, you're an adult. Re- you made it. And I just do it. And I remind Sometime. I remind my kids of that all the time. Just like I can do this because I've gone through life having parents and now I don't have to <laughs> obey my yes. parents. You guys do. I don't. But tell me what you just said is so interesting to me because I think what you said is very true that we are being babies, like we're adult babies, you know, we dig into the chips. But I think yeah. that whenever we work ourselves into bad habits, even on the way to addictions. We, in our minds, though, are justifying, hey, we're different from everybody else because there's reasons behind this. I'm in control. I'm just going to do it this one time or I'm just going to, you know, do it a little bit. I think we make up in our minds that we're an exception to everything else. And that's, I mean, I would would imagine, you know, I won't mention any pastors specifically, but I would imagine, you know, the pastor that had an alcohol addiction that he started off by saying, well, I. I need this, and I'm in control. Oh, yeah. It's no big deal. No big deal. Right. That That's one of the biggest things that, that you do, especially when you make yourself uh, exemplary. Like, oh, I'm special. Like, you, rock star. Oh, okay. How about this? Tom Petty, Michael Jackson, Prince. Uh, you know, they're like, well, yeah, but I need these special doctors to can give me extra drugs because I'm me. And, you know, right. I, it, it's so easy to justify, and it's... It's so easy to justify when you think you're something special, why you should do different right. things like that. And it starts at, yeah, exactly that level. And most of everything in life isn't about anything one time. It, this goes back to my philosophy on money or the lottery or anything else like that. It's your habits that matter. It's ne- no situation. I mean, it's just no situation at all. It's the pattern that you have to cultivate for your life that matters. So, for instance, you could take a rich person and take their money away. They'll probably be fine. They'll probably make more money and they know how to not spend and when to spend and what's wise and how self-control financially, most likely in most cases. And if you take a poor person and give them money, they will probably become poor again. It's not the amount of money in your bank account or the amount of calories you have eaten. It's what, how you think about it. It's your own, you know, it's that sober, introspective self-evaluation. Like I'm trying to apply that to myself with a stand-up thing. It's like, okay, there's, I do not want any excuses for this. I do not want anybody to tell me that was good. I don't want anybody to tell me right. uh, that it's okay or whatever. Just tell me what I'm doing that's glaringly wrong, and then I can face that reality and try to fix it. You know, it's like and almost all those coping things where you grab a handful of chips. That's that's just a way to make yourself feel special and override harsh realities. To you know. You know, you're treating yourself weird. I mean, think about if you had somebody, think about how easy it would be to clean up your life if you were somebody else, right? So yeah. imagine if I was in charge of your diet. No matter what, I tell you what to eat, what not to eat, and you never make another decision about what you eat. How do you think that'd turn out? I know, perfect. You would be completely healthy if you just put right. any other person in the world in charge of what you eat. Yeah. You would become healthy immediately because everybody knows the answer to that. So it's you being in charge of yourself and letting yourself off the hook for shit. That's where it all goes wrong. Yeah. 
always, it's you. You are your problem, not the world or the boss or anybody. It's you and your inability to face the harsh reality of what you are like. And that's why that's what it is. So, you know, I wish we could. I don't even know why it would be that hard. Why can't you just you and Toby be in charge of each other's diets? Yeah, shop for each other. Say, eat this. Don't it eat that. It would make me hate Joey. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? You kidding me? You I, did. You, this is what it is. I, I can't. I. I like Priscilla cannot be that person in my life. It just causes too much trouble. Like, oh, if yeah, she's yeah. the one that yeah. monitors what I eat and all that stuff. Not a good idea. Yeah, that's true. That then you get resentment, I guess, because it's like you know all the stuff that my wife says to me that's criticism or negative. What? Well, it, it's almost all true. I still don't think she should do it. Yeah. I wish she didn't. And it maybe isn't even that helpful because it, it's downright discouraging at times. But it, it, that doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. So that's 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 a whole other muscle to build up. You know, the, the, the suckiest thing, though, too, about food, if, if that's what we're talking about here, is <laughs> you have to have it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I if, if they wiped off alcohol off the world, you would stay alive. You know what I mean? Like, you know, whatever drugs, you know, for the most part, you could stay alive. But food, you have to. So... Like it, I wanted to yeah, ram my hand in a bag of chips and stuff my fat face today, <laughs> and I still want still to. Might. Still, <laughs> and I still will. might. And every single minute or hour is possible. Yeah, like there's not. It doesn't like. Okay, I beat it. Woo! Now, now I can go live my life in freedom. No, I want to do it right now. Like, like I, there's nothing that's you know what I mean. And so that's why it's so hard for me. And, and that's true. You are right though. Like, here's what's crazy. Jess loves the show. My 600 pound life. And I end up watching it with her all the time. And it's these people. And you can tell what's, what is, it is always a mental thing. Like whatever's happening with you, like if you get to 600 pounds, there's some m- mental problems that are going on, abuse, whatever it might be. But all of these people, what's really crazy too is all of the people, even though, I mean, they have like a huge, uh, what, is, what is it called? Like e- epidemia or something like that. Big, big pockets of fat. Uh, you know, their feet are open wounds. They they can get all this stuff. But when they finally make it to the hospital, they're in pain, they're in agony because they're so overweight or whatever. They're not that bad of shape. Like, like they're they're gonna live for a while. Like it always seems dangerous, but they're not that crazy. And if they just said, Okay, I'm gonna eat healthy, which the doctor makes them do, they immediately lose weight. They don't like it, they feel whatever, yeah. but they immediately get better. It's crazy how your body, like the only reason you overeat is literally because you want to, or something bad happened to you, or you're trying to compensate. For, like t- t- you, today, you have a real problem, and it's, it's, it's not, not food; yeah. it's self control. Right. I mean, it's I, a I'm real sure problem. there's people with yeah. I'm sure there's people like me. I'll say, I, I you know, I can eat a full meal and an hour later still be hungry. But the truth is, I think it, it for me even it's, it seems always there's something mental there that goes, oh, you need to eat, you should eat, you deserve to eat, yeah, or whatever it might be. Like the, the chips, I don't need the chips. But I just think I deserve whatever it might be. It's not like I'm starving for potato chips, is what I'm saying. So it's interesting that our bodies, it, it, the the body really isn't the problem. It's your brain saying, "Well, you you deserve this. You should have this." Or it's compensating for like seriously abuse, whatever happened to you when you were a kid, some kind of trauma, something like that. Now, and, but your body can even heal from that. Like there's people like uh, uh, Joe Rogan was talking about. There's this a guy. I don't know if he's just a uh, kind of an outlier or whatever. But he was I don't remember several hundred pounds, and all he did I think he just did fluids for like a year or something like that. Like he hardly had any, I don't know if he had any real food or solid food. I'm not, I'm not totally sure about this. Y'all can look it up, Google it. But his body went back even normal. Even like the fat really? and stuff went back. His skin even got healthy. He didn't have to have like skin reduction surgery and all kinds of stuff. I was like, man, your body's so amazing. And when it messes up, it's you that does it. Yeah. Whether it even is compensated. I, I don't know if I'm on a, on a tangent here, but it's just crazy. Like if I just don't eat the chips, my body will work and do good and be fine. But I, but the whole battle is, I say I got to have those, yeah, I, and I might need them in a minute. Well, it's a problem with having that much brain power and not knowing how to use. You're it. It's right. a lot of horsepower that you ability, uh, resources, all these things that you don't have the skills to manage. Which is the same if you're driving a 800 horsepower car, you don't right. know what you're doing. You're probably going to crash. Is it a good car? Yes, yeah, awesome. Your brain is that way. Yourself is that way. Our evolution, our development is to that degree. I would go far enough to say that watching that show. The show in itself, watching it, is the potato chip version of TV. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I, I, I actually have a problem with that show existing and watching it. I'm not judging. I'm just I saying. I know what you mean. It's like you're right. the reason you watch that show is so, so that you though. don't feel fat. 
Probably right. That's why you like the show. I'm so glad. Like, which means I, you right. are giving yourself an excuse. To, oh, I can eat some more chips. Yeah, you're I ain't exactly that. right. That's why people love and miswatch Law and Order SVU. Fuck those pedophiles. I we are so good. Right. It makes you. You're a horrible person, but you feel good when you watch a show where there's pedophiles. <laughs> That's that's how that's and that's counterproductive to you improving. You hear your that, America? Life. You like watching pedophile shows. <laughs> you love it. You love hoarders. You love six hundred hoarders. You love watching one, fictional pedophiles because you go, I can't believe those people. They should all be on an island to be killed. I'm good. That's not how. That's not how you improve your life. You're exactly right. Hey, I know. If I eat a whole bag of chips, I'm still killing yeah. it. <laughs> hey, can can we switch gears here? I've got some theology stuff that I want to bring up to y'all that I think is pretty remarkable. Oh, we got okay. too sensitive of a topic for old pastors. <laughs> we get, we're getting big some people. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, big people. Don't don't go there. Oh, no, yeah, we'll end it there. Let's let's transition. All right. So I'm I'm reading a book by the heretic Rob Bell. And, oh my god! And I'm and I'm telling you, I'd rather you read a book from an atheist. <laughs> That's what a friend told me one time. Oh gosh, listen about Rob listen. Bell specifically. Listen, yeah, he said, I'd rather you you'd read something from an atheist than Rob Bell. Listen, how mind boggling this is. Like how like I've you guys know I have legalistically studied the Bible ever since I was in middle school. So it's like these yeah. verses I have read so many times, and he actually said something that just blew my mind and I want to tell I, I want to read it real quick and then tell you what he says and see what you guys think. So he's talking basically about uh the whole hey why do you why do you put one leader before another and follow Apollos and not Paul and follow Peter and not Apollos and basically saying hey we do the same thing now in modern age. I mean we put yeah. pastors and compare them and all that stuff. But listen to how he ends it. He says uh, Paul says, do not deceive yourselves. If anyone thinks uh, you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. The Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about human leaders. Now check this out. All things are yours. Okay, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or or the world, or life, or death, or present, or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Now, here's how he applies it, and I know systematic theology would say, screw Rob Bell, he doesn't know what he's talking about, but Rob Bell is basically saying that from this point on, everything is okay, all wisdom is accessible to us. We can learn from all teachers, regardless of whether there is Jesus involved or not, because Jesus is the source of all truth. Like he even said, when we say God's truth, he said we should shut the hell up about talking about God's truth because that's insinuating that there's truth out there that's that doesn't belong to God. And he's like, all truth belongs to God. But he's he's basically saying everything's cool. God has given every person everything. Like all knowledge and everything's going to be okay. Basically, kind of a, a universalistic approach. But I just think it's crazy that I have read this verse so many times and it didn't even make me pause to think, what in the world is he talking about? And then I read from Rob Bell the first explanation of that verse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's weird. It's, it's a weird thing, I think. When, when the more I think about it, it just it keeps being harder and harder to pin down any type of dogma or theology for me, and it's not because I don't care. I don't think, and I don't think it's because I don't believe. It just and I hate to be untethered, postmodern, just out there and say, well, you just you know, like it's it's reasonable to say, yeah, but you can't just drift off and make anything be whatever you want. Facts matter, and there is a truth and all that stuff. But there's something that bugs me the older I get especially, and that's that I'm certain the other people don't know what they're doing either. Right. And so if there's a dogma, if there's a system, if there's a systematic thing, if there's a denomination, if there's a way that is supposed to be followed, it was set by, I mean, this is what it feels like to me. When my kids are playing, when you, when you have kids in child development, when they're three or four years, three years old, they kind of play like this. They just make up games and they don't make any sense, and there's really no rules, yeah. and you just go, okay, I'm a fairy that flies here, and you go, they just make stuff up, and it's super creative, and it's it's a really nice, it's special, it's, it's beautiful. When they turn four, about five, they get into this mode, I think it's pretty universal, where 
all they do is police each other and make up rules and say, that's not right, you tag, you can't do this. And the, the, the same kids that a year before were doing all these super free games start to do these super disciplined things. They all have their own rules, and they try to enforce them and impose them. And eventually, they, they have all the rules to their games and the way they play them. You know what I mean? I don't know that all theology and dogma is not that. Yeah. It's just a bunch of ultra, ultra uninformed people who have tried, you know, like little children. Obviously, immature, that metaphor is pervasive, that we're children, right? That, you know, and so now we're just making, we're making up these whole systematic theologies or theological concepts and all these things that it's made up by, no, it's arbitrary. It's not, it's not exactly arbitrary, but it's, you know, and then the next generation is just born into it, and it's it's maybe it's always going to be a problem. Well, I mean, li- listen to this: like, like you just you come up with all the rules, and then you're born into a world where this is the and, rules. And let's this not is what you let's do, not right? forget the people that created the systematic theology started reading the Bible with the presupposition that this is how I'm supposed to read it. Well, who who made that one up? Like, who right? Got they to didn't have a systematic that? theology before they made one. So I'm not saying they are bad people, but it's not. I mean, it's not the same. I mean, it's it's clearly not like science where it builds on itself and is verifiable and uh, in, in those same ways. And that's not a knock. But yeah. you know, when you assume that there's people that know, and I'm not one of them, so I better listen to them. Is that not what Rob Bell's kind of getting at there? If God says we have, I mean, maybe just like Abraham or just like you know the early Augustine and the early church writers and the people in Acts. Maybe they have what they need, and and you go, wait a minute, let me pick up the you know four year old manual for how to live. I mean, that's just, that's dumb. <laughs> it's hard for me too because everything is taught like for me. I'm just talking about me personally. The way I grew up, learned about God, learned about Christ, learned about Christianity and church and all those things was so strict that it and supposedly unchangeable that anything foreign was presented as dangerous that's so that I didn't really get a chance to ever question anything or think about stuff. And that's or, obviously childish, or, right? Yeah. And, like, yeah. And it's unfair because if God is that powerful, he's, I mean, why wouldn't we all be learning something today or creating something today that is figuring out God more deeply or understand him more deeply? Or what does it mean? Like even questioning, like we've been, we're having some guests talking about the substitutionary atonement and stuff like that. The idea of like for seriously, there was a time when I was growing up that if I asked the question, you know, why didn't God come instead of Jesus? Like, I mean, if I would, if if there was a war, I would want to take my son's place or my daughter's place if I could. I, I would hope I would or something. You know, that would seem like the good and righteous thing. Like, if, if they said, "Oh, wait, your son Ike or your daughter Ruby has to go to war, uh, but you could take their place," I'd go, "Okay, I think I will." It might be painful and scary and awful and all this stuff, but for me to ask that question means I'm. I'm trying to disrupt an entire system that says, no, Jesus only, and that is good. But I just wanted to ask a question. Right. And so right. since I didn't get since I don't get to even do that, and there's a million questions I have, but because it's taught so strongly and staunchly, yeah. I, I'm just left to, well, that's what it is. Like, right. like, so I, don't, I don't do that with anything and else. Immature, and then conformity is rewarded throughout the millennia. And that's, right. just, that's their dogmas. Like, have we ever. Yes. I don't know what. Maybe they're not good. Have we ever stopped and thought about how we would react if someone said, Hey, God told me to climb up a mountain and sacrifice my son? I'm just letting you know. I'm going to be gone for a couple hours. So if you call me, that's what. I, we would be like, Call the cops. This guy has lost his mind. But then we just say, Yep, that's what Abraham did. He was obedient to God. He's a good man. Mm-hmm. Sign yeah, off. Oh, oh, Done. Yeah. And and, oh. and there's no more else to the story. There, there can't be anything behind that, or there can't be any deeper meaning, or it has to be exact. I mean, it's just, can we think and assess and uh, and critique? Like, that's not trying to lord ourselves. And, that, and that's right. the thing is, I think the problem is that the Bible is God for people. Because it's like, nope, don't question that. Nope, that judges you you don't well, judge and it's it. not it's not questioning it to tear it down either right. it's just not and the, the, how about further your point how how easily right now would everybody in south carolina if osama bin laden was still alive say he was still alive and he goes oh my gosh i was walking down the road god talked to me 
I have a Bible for you from him. How quickly would every just just take Certainly. the state of South Carolina? Certainly. Would they go? That's the Bible. Would we that quickly? I mean, seriously, Paul killed Christians. Was that you know supposedly it's there at Stephen's death when he was stoned? All these different things, and now that guy's. God's using him to talk to us. It might be a good story. We might go, oh man, I'm glad he's a Christian. You wouldn't say it's the Bible. And listen, How, but, and listen, but you just <laughs> listen so to- blindly, you would just say something because your pastor in your local town said it. It's okay to question. It might be true. Substitutionary atonement might be true. Whatever. Right. The whole Bible might be literal. I'm just saying we can think about it. <laughs> And then, and then people's biggest evidence for Paul's epistles being God's word is Peter called it scripture, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that shithead said it's scripture, so it's <laughs> yeah. gotta be scripture. <laughs> well, you know, but I'm just saying, and, and, and I want to, and I want to say, I'm not making fun of these people. I even actually mm-hmm. do think it means something that Peter referred because right. Peter was he obviously had God's power on him, so I do think that means something, but. That's not enough to just say, yep, everything Paul says is true because Peter said so. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing Pete Enns talk about the conference. And, you know, I oh, guess yeah. it'll be two days from For now. Sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, you say that we, and I think he has said that too, that we worship the Bible instead of God. But I, you got to go farther than that. It's not even the Bible that we worship, it's extractions made by humans interpreted and systematized that of the Bible that we worship. Yeah, it's your thing, I, I, and I've been through that. Like when I first found Calvinism, or I first found this, I'm like, oh, right. yeah, I think I think this this one might be it. This one actually resonates with me. Right. This, this might make sense to me, and if so, good, because then I'll have answers. And so it's not the Bible. The Bible is the thing that out of which, when you take people and authority and hierarchy and powers and repetition and uh, conformity, and you put them all together, you get these extractions from the Bible. And those are the things that people actually love and worship and fight for in a tribal way, like their denomination or something, right? And or or, or a type of thinking, like uh, whatever evangelicalism or Calvinism or Lutheran uh, universalism, whatever these are. These are just things. They're not even the Bible, right. and 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 for sure, everybody's strongest identity is in the thing that's least statistically likely to be true. Right? Because how many yeah. points of view are there about the Bible? Thousands. I, I mean, is there almost there's at least hundreds of reasonable ones that make sense in and of themselves, right? Yeah. Hundreds, right? How about just so, between us three? Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, Seriously. but there's there's literally hundreds of possibilities. So the likelihood that, first of all, there is a correct system is obviously almost impossible, right? In and of itself, and even if there was a correct system, the the idea that it's yours is just so so low probability, and that's not even to consider whether the Bible has any real truth to it or. Or not, which I believe it does, but at least you're you're still better if you stick closer to that. And then even that doesn't get at God and the deeper spiritual things that inspired the Bible and the the, the deeper truths beyond a translated very old book that we have that is very valuable. Yeah. And so people are gravitating firmly towards the things that are least likely to be true. Yeah. Overall. Like well, and you have to face that reality. It's like conspiracy theories are the same way. Okay, you can I mean they they get so far out there that there's just so low likelihood that they're true, and there's so many different ones. And what I mean, what are you going to do? It, it, you know, you, if you just choose a consp- any random conspiracy theory, right. that likelihood that that one is going to be true is minuscule. Even if there are ten true ones, which I don't believe there even are. Well, he, he, here's a perfect uh, example, and we'll wrap it up here uh, of how you go awry with systematic theology. Is I was brought up, I was taught that. People that don't accept Christ, they go to hell and they're tortured forever. So when I approach God's word, I'm approaching it with those lenses of truth that I was taught from my mom and dad and Sunday school teachers. However, I read some verses that seem to support that, and I grasp those and I embrace them. Yep, that's true. That's what they've always told me. But then there's another verse that says, all things are redeemed, You know, even those who are not saved. And it's like... But that stuff, even though clearly put, it has to mean something else because I was taught something else. And we don't realize how subjective that is, that course, that we yeah. discard some verses that don't support our beliefs that we had before even reading the Bible. I mean, it's insane. Our God looks a lot more like us. And if we are not allowed to question things, then it's just not real. For example, 
I was I, literally most of my life. I believed your tithe. Oh, well, you just do that to the church on Sunday mornings. That's what a tithe right. is. I never even questioned it. Same way as I don't know anything about taxes. I just know I go to H and R Block, and I that's what I do. So I don't I don't care to learn about taxes. I don't care to know where it goes or why or anything. I just hate that I have to do it. But you know, I, it's part of the deal. Yeah. Same way. In a lot of ways, that's the way the tithe is. Now I've questioned it. And go. Wait a minute. What if I choose to give money other places and to help people personally that I know? Or what if I decide to buy a product that also helps? Uh, homeless people in another country or something, you know, like, like, I mean, the idea, like uh, I've, I had a profound moment probably a month ago about tithing and what it means and like to actually take ownership of it and not just go, well, somebody said, do this and this is where it goes. So that's where it ends for me. Like to actually have ownership of, wait a minute, I, this God gave me this money and I, he's allowing me to use it in ways that would, it'll benefit me. Right. Like not just giving it to the church doesn't only now giving to the church. Great too. Yeah. If you give your child to the church, that's not, I'm not saying that's bad. But I, at least think about it. Yeah. What do you do? What, I mean, is there what? Why? Make sure you know what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And 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 would it be wrong to go to a church that you you say, you know, I, I really feel like God is uh, God has me here for a reason, but I'm not totally on board with how they spend their money. So I'm going to give some money to the church because hey, it's my place, and I know that no church is perfect, and I want to support them because it's my yeah. church. Yeah. But then I'm going to give so many facilities. But, but yeah, then I'm going to I'm going to give four. I'm going to give six percent to the church. I'm going to give four percent to a nonprofit. Like, is that up for grabs? I mean, can can we do that? Is that something that's acceptable because i think when tithe was talked about in the don't new ask testament your church it, yeah yeah totally <laughs> yeah all right well I, 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 no but how about this too here's what's really funny about it most people don't tithe anyway i know you know that's that's you're a, you're a pastor oh, i can tell not you like people are unreal. giving to the church so it's so unreal. that and why is that it's not because they're giving it why do people else, can though. give money like a, a lot of poor people give more than anybody else you know what i mean it's right. not that you can't give what is the system there something is leading people not to even give to church like I would bet that it's less than fifty percent of people that even tithe, right? Oh yeah, that, oh that gosh, attend a church yeah. no, fairly I, I regularly. Think it's, I think it's more around twenty percent of people give anything, wow. anything. Right. And and here's the sad thing is most of the eighty percent they don't give to anything either because right. they're, they're oh yeah, you know, it's not because they're doing right. That's right. All right, all right. Well, hey, real quick, I want to give some club names, and I'm just gonna have to say this, and I'm gonna make a a a, a public. I'm gonna make a public dec- oh. declaration. This is my favorite name that I've ever read, and I've read it more than once. So this person must have quit and then rejoined. I freaking love this name. It's so fun to say, and it's Kanita Nadu. And if I'm not saying it right, please please accept my apology and give me permission to always say Kanita Nadu. I love it. Andrew Littleton, Samuel Wilson, John Coquet, Shane and Rachel McKnight. Uh, they're going to be at Joey. the conference. Wow. And John Cocaine. Yeah, and Rachel is uh, starting to help out with some administrative stuff. And uh, so she is officially part of the Bad Christian team. Uh, Brett, nice. Brett Evans, Matthew P. Crisp, Caleb Ward, like Timothy one. Mingle. And mm. Paul Van Lonen. Thank you guys for joining the BC Thank Club. Thank you. Matthew B. Crisp, P. Crisp is a really good one. A P. I mean, that's good. Uh, yeah. Last name Crisp and that P middle initial yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Drop, right. drop the Matthew. It's like Ernest P. Worrell, I guess. Drop the Matthew and you've got a badass hip-hop name. Yo, I'm P. I hate Crisp. My name. Matthew, Matthew I don't like, but P. Crisp. Matt yeah. Crisp. Is P. Crisp. Is amazing. Yeah. Crisp. Hey, yeah, thank you're, those you're, guys you're middle joining na- the BC Club. That's uh, good stuff. Yeah, for it's sure. What keeps us keeps us. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, some recurring income that gives <laughs> yeah. us a little bit of security hey, when shit hits the wall. It's so. like you know when you're when you're right above water. Right. is what the BC no, Club helps it, us do. We really do it. So anybody that wants to keep us afloat, help. It keeps us afloat, it. but it also sometimes almost sinks us completely. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. There is some liability to having a BC Club. I I didn't think about that. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I love them. Yeah, <laughs> they're awesome. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.